0: family. Today's Bible reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 to 20. It reads as follows. Again he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that... And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. There are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of God.
1: Good evening, church. Uh, What a joy to uh, be together. For the last um, couple of weeks... Uh, for the last weeks or so um, we we have had guest speakers um, and they 've been blessing us from Romans chapter eight and tonight we um, venturing back into Mark 's gospel which we started off um, at the uh, for that Bible reading. Thank you to the music team, the sound guys uh, who serve us every week uh, as we uh, think about the, the theme of service. Uh, please put your hands together for them uh, as they continue to, um, to serve us and give their time to, um, to, to, to the work here. Um, it is such a, a privilege. Um, as I said, we're starting off a new series, and the last time we we titled it uh, "Under Construction." And let me just explain what um, what that's all about. Uh, so, "Under Construction," uh, what we said at the beginning of the year is that the Christian life is like Midland. Uh it is always under construction. Uh, and what we mean by that is that there's always an area of your life where God wants to build you. Uh, there's always an area of your life where God wants to demolish something that is terrible, that just looks bad, and he wants to build up something new in that space. Uh, so there's always, always uh, something uh, coming up, something being developed. If you look at Midrand, there's always plots, there's often plots that you see. And then three months later, four months later, a year later, there's a, a block of flats. Um, just there overnight, if you leave Midrand uh, for a year, uh, it will look totally different when you come back. Such is the Christian life uh, that there 's some areas of your life that are unproductive, and God wants to venture into those areas and make them productive for for his kingdom and so that 's what we mean by under construction to put it in other words, the Christian life is always about learning new things it 's always about relearning some of the things that we 've picked up over the years. Um, it's always about unlearning certain bad behaviors, particularly uh, behaviors, particularly thought patterns about who we are and what it means to follow Jesus. So that is the Christian life. Uh, to use a fancy Christian word, it is the life of discipleship. Uh, discipleship simply means Following and learning from Jesus, sitting at his feet and learning and unlearning. And it's the kind of learning that changes the way you behave uh, and live out your life. So that's what we are about, and that's what Mark's gospel is focused in on. It's focused in on who Jesus is. Because if we to follow Jesus, uh, then we ought to understand who he is, so that we we can follow him better. What kind of king is he, uh, so that we can be better empowered um, to follow him? So I do hope that you have your Bible open, uh, because tonight I do have wonderful thoughts. Uh, Sometimes um, I think maybe I should share those, but uh, tonight I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm going to be sharing God's thoughts, and that's what we believe at Christ Church Midland. We want to hear God speak, and the way he does that is through his word. And most of the time, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the text, but believe me, all that I've come uh, with tonight and prepared flows from the text. What I want us to do is to apply the text to our lives, uh, to think about the word, but not just be fascinated by uh, what it means, but to think about how it empowers us to live the Christian life, particularly on a Monday morning, as you step out of those doors uh, to be empowered to live for God. So why don't I pray for us, um, to for God to work, and as I pray for us, uh, those words from that song, Heal Our Land, I was just thinking about what the kingdom of God means, uh, and we're going to see this in next week as um, we continue with this idea of a seed, that the kingdom of God looks insignificant, but as we look at the society around us, One of our biggest prayers is that the the kingdom of God would invade our culture, that it would invade the hearts of men and women, because when God invades the hearts of men and women, our land will be healed. Think of all the gender-based violence. Think of all the brokenness. Think of everything bad in our country, all the divisions. As we come into God's word, uh, it speaks into that context. So let me pray for us that God will help us as we get into his word father indeed that is our prayer that you would uh, pour out your spirit uh, that your church would be empowered uh, that men and women who come in this evening uh, perhaps fatigued from uh, their work of life uh, their work as christians that you would revive them to go out there uh, to live for you we pray for those who might be coming in and uh, investigating the christian faith I pray that they would see and taste who Jesus is and that he would become beautiful uh, for them, uh, that they would be persuaded to come the cost and follow this man. Uh, so tonight I pray, Father, that you would open up our hearts as this parable speaks um, to us, that you would open up our hearts, that we would uh, sink it deep into our lives. And this we pray in your name and for our good. Amen. Amen and amen. Now, one of the things we need to unlearn as people and as Christians who live in 2022 in the digital space, uh, one of the things we need to unlearn is who Jesus is and what it means uh, to follow him. Uh, We live in a world and time of uh, Instagram Christianity, uh, of celebrity pastors, uh, of Christian influencers. Uh, and those are good, and we love them. Uh, we call the stuff we uh, they say, uh, we live by what they say. So whether it's Matt Chandler, this great preacher, one of my favorite, Mike Todd, or Mbumile Dwaba, I don't actually know why he's famous because I don't watch his stuff, but they just pop up on my feeds uh, because YouTube thinks I should be influenced by this guy. Whoever it is that the algorithm has turned your way as a Christian influencer, Uh, they are the people who kind of shape who you are now that's the job of an influencer isn't it to influence and very often these men and women shape the way we think about the christian faith not necessarily bad i must say just to add a disclaimer i'm not i'm not against christian influencers Um, I acknowledge that God can use them, but very often they shape us. And the challenge with these guys is that you don't actually know them. Uh, You've never seen them in their marriages and how they act towards their wives. You've never seen them with their kids. Uh, You've never seen them uh, in their home on a Wednesday night, uh, tired from work and leading a Bible study. Uh, So they influence you, but you don't really know their lives. And of course they speak and are more eloquent than your life group leader. Of course, they dress better than them. Uh, Of course, they have more confidence uh, than any Christian in your life. Uh, Their faith often looks very impressive as you see them on on the screen. We live in a world of middle-class Instagram faith. And I think one of the challenges with that, one of the biggest challenges is that it's way too polished and way too good. Um, so this kind of Christianity is polished even even when it discusses very important issues like suffering. If you listen to a sermon on a suffering, often the lens and the pictures are very well polished. Um, often the words are just too perfect. And for me, often the confidence that these people have uh, behind the camera, the tone of their confidence is something that I don't experience in my own Christian life. Because when real life happens, it just seems like Instagram Christianity has more faith and more trust than the real world that we live in, the real world of sin and struggle. It shows us more wins than losses. It shows us more power than weakness, more beauty than mess. Here's the thing. One of the things, if you read through Mark's gospel, one of the things that you see is that the Christianity that Jesus presents is very often different from this kind of Instagram faith. Um, very often, uh, the Jesus kind of faith is a faith that uh, causes us to live in difficult moments, and causes us to live and venture into difficult spaces, causes us to persevere in difficult moments in our struggle against sin uh, when you look at instagram christianity versus the christianity of jesus very often the christianity of jesus is not instagrammable it is not polished it is not proper it is a faith that is filled with weakness uh, it is a faith that is impressive uh, non impressive uh, i don't know if you've seen those uh pictures of guys who buy stuff on Wish. Uh, have you seen those? Of what I ordered versus what I got. So it's very, uh, it's often two pictures, uh, side to side, what I ordered. Uh, you order a beautiful dress online, uh, but what you get is something that the material doesn't look like what you saw online. Or maybe the material looks like what you saw, but it is the size of a doll. Uh, you bought a jean, but it's never going to fit you. What I ordered versus what I got. Very often, people get disappointed because of this Instagram Christianity. we That's what we sign up for. That's what we see. And that's what we subscribe to. But when real life hits us, it is like, man, what, what did I order? This is not the Christianity I ordered. I wonder if any of you have been in that place where you feel disappointed with Jesus because he did not meet your expectation, he didn't live up to your expectation of um, what he's meant to do in your life. Uh, a dictionary um, defines disappointment as this: sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. I wonder if you come in as you come in this evening if you're not disappointed with Jesus. That Jesus somehow, perhaps in your 30s and you're thinking to yourself, he hasn't met my expectation. He hasn't met my hopes and dreams. The kind of Christianity I subscribe to is not the one that I am experiencing now. But the one thing that we're going to see this evening, particularly in Mark's Gospel, is that most of the Bible is written in the context of crisis, of struggle, of brokenness. And most of the Bible is God's word to people living in that situation, and it's God's word uh, wanting to empower them as they walk through those realities of life. If you read through most of the Gospels, you'll see that the Christianity that Jesus offers, very often he will say, that you need to, like a project manager, calculate the cost of what it means to follow him. Uh, so weigh out the cost of what it means um, to follow him. In fact, on one occasion, uh, Jesus was preaching, and a few people left him. And then he turned to his disciples and said, are you guys also going to leave? And they said, where where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's the kind of Christianity that we see here in the scriptures. One that calls you, calls you to calculate the cost because it's going to be difficult. Jesus is calling you to difficult areas. Jesus is calling you to follow him even when the going gets tough. And very often, the longer you live, the going will get tough. Amen. I don't know if you've been there. Maybe it's just me. You guys look like you are godly and you never go through um, all sorts of challenges. You just have the Instagram life. Um, but here's the thing. The Christians in Mark's gospel, uh, their Christianity was not uh, Instagrammable. Now, here's the thing. Jesus comes, 2022. If he had to come uh, to Vida Cafe at Carswell uh, to hang out with you, have a flat white coffee with you, beautiful, one of the best coffees um, out there at Vida Cafe, um, one of the things he will tell you is that life is not going to be rosy. Uh, you are not always going to be winning at the game of life. Very often there will be moments where pressure mounts up. Pressure mounts up. If there was water in here, I was going to squeeze this thing. And then there was going to come water. Because when pressure mounts up, um, it squeezes us. And very often what comes out is sin and brokenness. We react negatively uh, to the pressure that comes to us. But one thing from our text this evening that Jesus would want us to know is that the only faith that can grant us in times of pressure is the one that has sunk deep enough to grow roots in your heart. That's that's my summary. If you miss um, what I say this evening, the only faith that can grow us, that can ground us in times of pressure, is the one that has sunk deep enough to grow roots in your heart. That is the kind of faith that we need. That is the kind of faith that we need as we face face real life, not the Instagram uh, Christianity. And the 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 readers of Mark's gospel needed this kind of uh, faith. Uh, The read the readers of Mark's gospel lived in a time of crisis and pressure. They lived in a time where you would have been killed uh, for being a Christian. Now we we that's a that's a world that's very far from us. But if you look across the world, there are many of our brothers and sisters. Uh, Of of whom that is the reality. That following Jesus, there's no lukewarm Christian. uh, There's no guy who puts on their form that I'm Christian. Why? (laughs) Because you might be killed. You're going to be killed for being Christian. And so that was what, what was happening in the time that Mark wrote this gospel. If you have your Bibles, turn to chapter 8, verse 34. Listen to what Jesus calls discipleship what it means to follow him he reconstructs uh, this idea of what it means to follow him chapter 8 verse 34 i wonder if you'd sign up for this kind of christianity and calling the crowd to him with his disciples he said to them listen this is what it means to be a follower of jesus if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me deny yourself take up your cross And follow me. Now that's... That's a harsh thing. That's a harsh statement. That is a hefty call on people who would come to follow Jesus. That you would forsake everything and carry up your cross. What does that mean? It actually means being prepared to die. Being prepared to follow Jesus even to the point of death. And throughout Mark's gospel we see that Mark presents to us a Jesus who dies on the cross. Why is he doing that? He wants his followers to realize that if their king died, if their king suffered, then as their servants, they will also go through the same thing. Mark chooses this teaching to remind these Christians who are going through difficulty to hold on to their faith, to hold on to Jesus in times of pleasure. This is not a TikTok kind of Christianity. This is not a Christianity that you want to sign up for. So we let's keep that context in our mind as we come to our verse. And because our verse is filled with many teachings, it comes up in other Gospels, but Mark wants to make a particular point here in chapter 4 of his Gospel. If you remember chapter 1 to 3, uh, Jesus goes on declaring himself as king, as one who has come to establish God's kingdom. And he starts off by uh, casting away the works of the devil, uh, the one who is opposed to God's kingdom. And then he goes out casting out demons. He goes out healing people. And one of the things that we see, he goes on breaking religious rules. Uh, so people who said, who were claiming that they were the ones who are building God's kingdom. He goes on to break all their laws. And one of the things that we see throughout chapter 1 to 3 is that we have different responses to this Jesus. We have religious people who see him and want nothing to do with him because he claims to be God. We see the crowd and the fans. Uh, Martin took us through that. Uh, People who love Jesus, who just love hearing him say all these wonderful things, But in actual fact, they're not committed to the call of what he, what it means um, to follow him. On the other hand, you have Jesus' family, uh, those who were close um, to him. Uh, Jesus says, well, my true family are those who do the will of my father. So chapter 1 to 3, Jesus proclaims himself as king. There's different responses. There's antagonism. There are those who call him demon-possessed. Uh, and yet there's a small group of guys who are followers, who are the inner core, who are not the crowd, but are true followers of Jesus. And Mark, throughout his gospel, focuses in on these followers because through them we learn what it means uh, to be a Christian. Now, chapter 4 begins a whole block of teaching Teachings that are called parables. Uh, parables are stories that Jesus tells to explain his message and what he has come to do in our world. If you pay attention to our chapter um, uh, scripture that was read for us, you see that seven times in this um, in this uh, twenty verses, seven times there is this word. Either listen or hear. Listen, or hear. In the original, is the same thing. The old King James used to use the word hearken, um, to hear, to listen. Um, Very often in Hebrew culture, to listen is not just to hear, but it is to take what you hear and apply it to your life. Many of us grow up in African cultures, right? Um, Grandmother used to he doesn't say, these children, but like they don't have an ear. Why was she saying that? Is it because we were not hearing her physically or understanding what she said? That wasn't necessarily the case. Um, she was saying that we are disobedient children. We heard, but we didn't hear. And that's what we see here in chapter 4 of Mark's Gospel. The call to hear. Have a look at Verse 3. This is a command. Listen. Have a look at verse 9. So the start of uh, the parable, Jesus begins with the words, listen. And then verse 9, he said, and he said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. So if you and I need a kind of faith um, that withholds and stands uh, when troubles come, when prayers mounts up, hearing and listening and obeying Jesus is the thing that cultivates that kind of faith. And that is what our verse is uh, focused in on. That is what Mark chapter 4 is about. Have a look at verse 1. And two, and again he began to teach beside the sea. So we're transitioning from the stories of him going around casting out demons, teaching in synagogues, and he began to teach. So we get this block of teaching, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he had he had to go into a boat and set it set in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Picture the scene there. This is not a yacht. This is a boat uh, for fishermen, uh, Jesus, because the crowd is coming in to listen to him. The crowd loves Jesus, isn't it? The crowd loves it when he does miracle. The crowd loves it when he heals them and sorts out their problems. So they've come to hear him because he's quite popular. And so he jumps onto a boat uh, pictured with me as they push him uh, away from the crowd. Uh, there's that guy who's hustling, selling fish uh, to those who are listening uh, the crowd, there's no social distancing again, nobody to take, uh, temperatures, but they're there nonetheless. They're there to hear Jesus speak, uh, because Jesus has some kind of, uh, authority. People love him. Or do they? Then he begins to tell this story that was read to us. It is a story, uh, that is based in an agrarian society of a, of a sower. Uh, someone who sows seed, he goes along, and he uh, he sows seed, um, and some of it falls on rocky ground. Some of it falls by thorns. Uh, some of it does not get. It falls on hard soil, and so the birds come and eat it. And then one of it, uh, the seed falls on fertile soil, and it sinks in, and it grows. It produces a great harvest. Simple story. And the crowd are listening in and wondering to themselves, Man, that is so powerful. I wonder what this guy is talking about. Um, It's a simple story of a guy who goes and plants, But nobody understands what what it means uh, until Jesus goes with his group of guys and explains to them what this parable means. This parable is about what it means for you and me to live the Christian life in a pressured society. To hear Jesus, to cultivate a faith that is deeply rooted so that you and I can stand and be grounded when pressure mounts up. That is what this parable is about. Have a look at verse 13. This is the second part of, um, this is Jesus explaining to you a small group of uh, his disciples, a small group who display to us what it means to truly hear Jesus. Verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand other parables? The sower sows the word. The word comes up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times there. So the word is central. Uh, The word simply means the proclamation of Jesus being king uh, that he was going on and preaching throughout Galilee. The sower sows the word. Who's the sower? In our case, that is Jesus. He goes and sows the word. He goes and proclaims his message. And, and these are the ones along the path. Okay, so this is the seed that fell along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So Jesus is explaining that this parable is actually about how people hear the word and apply it. This is such a powerful thing, isn't it? That the gospel message is likened to a seed. A seed can either achieve great things. Uh, We used to plant every year around December and wait for the harvest when Millie Mill would come the following year. That's what a seed can do. But a seed is small and insignificant And if you are a Christian in the time of Mark, you would have felt that the Christian religion, the Christian faith, the way as they called it back then was very insignificant. Very often you would have been tempted to think, this thing doesn't work. And Jesus uses uh, this idea, this picture of a seed. And we're going to see it again next week as he uses the same idea of a seed, something so small, something so insignificant, the kingdom of God, that is proclaimed, that is, that comes about through proclamation of the word. It can either yield great impact or no impact at all. And the first seed, the first seed that we see here, the seed of the word, the same seed, notice all of them is the same seed, but different swells, four different swells. The first seed is taken away. Verse 16, have a look at it. And these are the ones sown on the rocky grounds. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. They're so excited. Um, We used to call this spitsa paraffin back home. (laughs) What we meant by that is that when you use paraffin to light um, a fire... You can chuck it on the fire. You light it. What happens? Pfft, the fire starts. It looks amazing, and then it dies out. That is the 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 second soil there. The seed that fell on on rocky ground. Have a look at it again. Verse sixteen. They hear the word immediately. Receive with joy. Receive it with joy. Verse seventeen. And they have no root in themselves. The seed doesn't grow deep. The seed doesn't um, doesn't um, doesn't gain root. Verse seventeen. But it endures for a while. Then, look at this. What comes? Pressure, tribulation, or persecution arises on account of the word. Because you are a Christian, you are persecuted, and then you think to yourself, "This what I ordered." Versus what our God, totally different things. You heard the word; it looked like you were Christian, but when real life happened, not the Instagram faith. When real life happens, uh, it falls away. It doesn't bear fruit immediately. They fall away. How many of us have seen those kind of people? People who hear the gospel message, maybe you were at a church and they, they heard the message and then they stepped forward, somebody prayed with them, they were so excited, and then maybe something tragic happened. Perhaps they started, they finished varsity and for four or five years couldn't find a job. The expectation of Jesus, a Jesus who blesses them, a Jesus who makes things go well, versus what they got. Those two realities don't match. And what happens? They fall away. That's the seed that fell on rocky ground. And verse 18, And the ones sown among thorns, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. Something that is common with all those three different seeds is that they never gain root. They're never grounded enough to produce fruit. They're never grounded enough. And we're going to discover what it means for the seed of the word to ground in your life, to take ground in your life and my life, so that when pressure comes, we can be able to withstand. That is what this parable is about. That's why Mark puts it here in chapter 4, to encourage Christians who are going through difficult times to remember the teachings of Jesus verse 20 but those that were sown on good soils are the ones who hear the word and accepted and bear fruit 30 fold and 60 fold and 100 fold so four different soils one of them bears fruit why does it bear fruit well because so sort the of, four different seeds fall on four different grounds of oh, same seed different ground, um, and only one bears fruit. What is the call here? Listen, hear, hear God and root his word and ground it in your heart. Three different audiences here. The first hearers of Jesus were hearing a warning that there will come persecution. The listeners of Mark, those who Mark wrote to, it was an encouragement to them that remember what Jesus said. Well, what is happening to you right now? You need to listen. You need to be grounded in your faith. And for us who are living so many years later, it is also teaching us what to expect of the Christian faith. Because very often we think, man, this thing doesn't work meanwhile it does meanwhile it's not a mechanic thing it's an organic thing the Christian faith is an organic thing the Christian faith is about taking what we hear and applying it to, to our lives applying it and applying it to our hearts how do we do that have a look at verse 9 to 12 because that's we get the disciples and a picture into what it means to truly hear Jesus so First section, Jesus speaks this thing, this parable. Second section, He explains it, but He explains it to a group of guys who display to us, who show to us what it means to truly hear. Verse 9, and He said, He said, He who hasn't here, let him hear. Verse 10, and He, and when He was alone, those around Him with the twelve asked Him about the parables. Verse 11, And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but those outside, everything is in parable, so that, verse 12, they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. It sounds bad. It sounds like Jesus is saying, I'm using stories so that these guys cannot understand and never uh, be forgiven. But that's not what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus is saying, there are many who have hardened their hearts to the message. Many who have come with their expectation of who Jesus is. Many who have carried and bombarded Jesus uh, with so many uh, expectations. And they fail to hear him. They fail to hear him properly because they want Jesus on their own grounds. But we get these disciples who after hearing the word, they baffled And they come to him and say, please won't you explain it to us. Uh, Please won't you massage it uh, to us. Uh, Please won't you um, root this word in our life. And I think that's what it means to truly listen, uh, to investigate what the word and how the word retunes your heart's desires to align, to be aligned with Jesus' desires. The Israelites didn't want this. The Israelites had hardened hearts. And Jesus quotes from this Old Testament that God will speak, but these people will ever be hearing, but never understand. Why is that? Because their hearts are hardened. Why is it that five different people, ten different people can hear the same message and others are open to it? Why is it that some are religious and they come to church with their own thinking about who he is. They come to Jesus with their own expectation about who Jesus is. And the gospel message never takes root in their life. Well, that's because they've hardened their hearts. But the disciples show to us what it means to continually run to Jesus and continually want his message to reshape our lives. Now let me give you, as we close off, Just a few examples of what we mean by that. How do we hear God properly? How do we hear sermons, for instance? Um, In the context of Mark, the word here is the word that Jesus speaks, but you and I don't have Jesus. We have his words in the Bible. How do you listen to sermons? Well, many of us listen to sermons, and we either think, ah, that was good, or that was boring. Oh, I like that guy from last week better. Um, A <laughs> few, couple of months back, Martin was preaching on greed. He was on fire, and he was like <laughs> getting deep into our hearts about greed and the dangers of chasing after money. And you are saying that one of the things you are saying is that. Like every single one of us struggles with greed, but not a lot of us will confess that we struggle with greed. Um, So we sit in there, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and afterwards I normally have conversations with people. One person comes after that powerful sermon, after that seed is sown, and says these words, Sure, I'm so glad that he was addressing the issue of greed, because so many people struggle with it. And we, we um, almost along the lines of we conquered that because we sold our big house and now live in a small house. Does that make sense? So this person was missing the fact that whether you live in a big house, whether you live in a small house, all of us struggle with greed and you need to take that word and go home and think to yourself, in what ways do I struggle with greed? Go investigate it. Don't just hear. That is what it means for the word to take root. What it means for the word to take root is that when you're sitting here listening, you're not thinking to yourself, maybe someone else needs to hear this. I wish so-and-so was here, but it is about you sitting here this morning. Many of us listen, and we want to be wowed. We are addicted to new things, exciting things. Because, again, we are addicted to Instagram Christianity. And we just want something new, something to excite us. And here's the thing about our addiction, is that you hear, and then you want more. So you hear something powerful, but as you leave those dogs, you want to hear more. You want to hear something even better next week. We fail to ask ourselves this question. What would it mean for me to apply what I had this evening to my life? In what areas do I need the grace of God to apply the word of God to my own life so that I can live as a follower of Jesus? That is what it means to hear. To hear means to ask ourselves those like better questions. One of the things again that we can do to hear God better is to think about the promises that sin makes to our lives. Very often, sin makes promise to us. We listen to the word. It tells us this is what God demands of our lives. But we don't realize that sin speaks a more beautiful and powerful word to our lives. It gives us better promises. And so as we hear the word, one of the ways to root it to our lives is to ask ourselves... What? How much more beautiful is Jesus in comparison to this sin or this thing that I'm believing that is contrary to him? That is what it means to listen better, to go on and think it through. Think about how does this change my life? How do I live differently on a Monday after having had that? How does this truth change? Transform the way I see other people. That is what it means to root the word into our life. As we end of, let me ask you perhaps another question. Maybe you have been a Christian. Maybe you've had, you have had the message of the gospel. Maybe you are, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, but maybe there are certain pressures that are squeezing you right now in your life. What are the pressures that are trying to squeeze the message of the gospel. Maybe you are like Chiliji, who's 34. Um, She's one of the top young black females in her field. Done so well. Uh, She has everything, the car, the position, the house. Uh, In fact, she travels every now and again to, to Dubai for holiday, to Thailand, to New York. So she's got everything but this one thing, a man, in her life. <laughs> she's been waiting. She's been praying. Um, the pressure is mounting. If you if you're not 34 and unmarried, you may never understand this pressure. Pressure from family. When are you getting married? Maybe we should slaughter a car for you because you are cursed or something, that the ancestors would intervene. Perhaps she's facing those kind of pressures from life and the word of God that was planted doesn't seem to be real. The, the pressure seems more real than what Jesus has to say about her and her life and what, what it means to follow. It's not just pressure from family, it's pressure from all the, ba- the showers that she's going to, to, whether it's bridal shower or baby shower. When is my turn going to be How much more beautiful is this pleasure looking in that moment? Chilizi, this 34-year-old person, needs a kind of faith that is grounded, uh, that is rooted in the promises of Jesus. She needs to pray for Jesus to remind her of her promises. Let's move from Chilizi and maybe think of Nguruleko. Nguruleko is in his 20s. Uh, He's a second year at um, at uh, at university. First time on campus. Last year he was doing it online. Uh, This year is the year of freedom. She grew up. He grew up in a Christian home. But man, this is this is a joyful moment because now all that he has learned over the years, uh, he's just gonna forsake it. He just wants to live the good life. And what Nkuleko believes. Uh, because of the pressure of his friends and the the desires of this world, is that following Jesus sucks, and following the joys of this world is much better. Pressure, pressure, pressure. If you've never been uh, in that kind of pressure, you'll never understand uh, that it's often way more attractive than what Jesus calls us to. That Nkuleko needs the word to take root in his life. He needs to pray to Jesus, to help him root uh, this word to our lives. And I think Nguruleko's reality is our reality because you and I live with this mindset that the beauty is out there, that the good life is out there. The last time I was drunk was in December 24, 2000. I think, how old was I? It was about... Twelve or so. Every every single year, just to give you context, this is Christmas Eve. Every single year before then, we would be locked in a yard. So my grandfather was a very strict guy, and he would lock us inside. They would buy us nice food. They would buy us uh, we call them crickets. <laughs> uh, fire. What are they called in English? Fireworks. Right. So it was fun. It was it was joyful, man. It was secure. It was a loving environment. Um, my grandparents loved us, and it was such a joyful moment. Sometimes our cousins would come by, and at uh, at night would light those fireworks. It was such a joy, but every now and again, this joy that was inside felt like a cage. It felt like we were not loved. It felt like as I looked outside and saw my friends walking around, drunk from the tavern, that they were having a better life than what I was having. So I was inside, secure and enjoying it, but did not realize because my face was like this on the fence. I believed that the good stuff is out there. The reality of my security at home had not sunk in. And very often that's what happens with us as Christians, isn't it? That we believe that the good life is out there. And because of that, pressure will come. And when pressure comes, we will give in to that pressure. And the word of God that was spoken to us will um, just become nothing. So Nkulileko struggles with this. We struggle with this. We need to pray to God to help us. Continually massage the gospel in our hearts. Continually believe, Jesus, you are better than anything in this world. You better than the pursuit of success in this world. You better than me drifting away with a douchebag at the office because I'm feeling the pressure of being 34 and unmarried. Jesus, you better than that. Help me believe that. Very often we don't believe it. Amen. And we venture off and cause so many problems that are far off into our lives. Last guy, Tumelo, 42, married with four kids. His motto in life is more money, more money and more money. Tumelo does not see it, but he needs the word to take root in his life. He needs to believe the words of Jesus that say that life is more than the possessions that we have. His life is filled with meetings after meetings, trying to close the deal so that his family can live comfortable, trying to keep up the lifestyle of Midrand. he doesn't see that it's, it's coming to destroy him. He needs the word of God to sink deep in his life. May God do that. I don't know where you are, but may God help you to massage his word and his promises into your life that when pressure mounts, you'll be deeply rooted. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for this, your word. Uh, thank you that you you many years ago called Christians who are facing pressure and crisis um, to remember the gospel and to remember your promises, uh, that your promises would shine much brighter than the promises of this world, that they would shine brighter than their struggles. And I pray this evening for someone who's struggling, who just wants to give in, that you would encourage them this week that your promises are far better than what this world has to offer, and that they would be rooted and grounded in you. I pray that they would talk to somebody this evening to help them, to pray with them, and to keep them accountable. I pray, Lord, for someone who came in not knowing Jesus, uh, that they would be could come to this realization uh, that Jesus is by far better than the promises of this world. And that his word this evening would bear fruit in their lives. That this word his word this evening would be massaged. that they would go home and want to investigate further the Christian faith. I pray for many of us who are going through difficult moments and we are tempted to drift away from Jesus because somehow we disappointed. I pray that we'll be honest with our disappointment, but I pray that we would cling and run to Jesus. Father, help us. uh, Father, empower us. uh, Do in us a great work that we cannot do of ourselves. This we pray in Jesus' name and for our good. Amen and amen. 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 Amen.